Honesty, how are ye? Welcome to the Candle Tales podcast. I'm sitting down with my sister Sorka and my name is Aaron. Honesty, this is just a quick note to say that we had some issues with Aaron's audio in this episode. Really sorry about that. Uh, we are working on getting it sorted for next time. But on with the show. We are the co-founders of Candle Tales and well, this week we are talking about Parthalon and he's one of the peoples who came to Ireland according to the Lower Gawala, the Book of Invasions. As this series of podcasts that we're doing, the Invasion series, continues on, we'll be exploring each different story in each audio chat. And, well, this one is a bit of a mental story. They're all a bit mental, to be honest. But this one has a darker edge to it, and we'll be dissecting it and picking it apart in only a few minutes. But uh, just before we do, I'd like to uh, send my sincerest apologies for not going live tonight. We had the pixies in the wires of the internet and the cables and the laptops. And you know what? We just had a bit of a, a, a inability to go live. And every month we attempt to go live at the end of the month. So do tune in. We love hearing from you. We've gotten some lovely messages and we have some uh, people to shout out on, uh, or two rather, I should say, who've uh, helped us out with the Patreon support uh, of late. Thank you very much for helping us out, guys. And our latest one there uh, is from Carla. Thanks, Carla. You're your absolute legend, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's all. We don't have her second name, just Carla. And uh, there's a, f- a fair few people we could shout out and thank, but we wouldn't be able to keep these podcasts going without the support that we get off Patreon. It helps massively. And we do love hearing from you, and that's why we love going live. And we'll be going live at the end of March as a live stream after, well, one of the biggest battle stories of the Book of Invasions. There's a few big battle stories. Did you mean the end of May? (laughs) Yeah, I did. March was a month ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I'm not doing well today now. Is it a week or bad? I really... I really appreciated your kind of like professional tone after how much of a nightmare the both of us have just had for the last hour. I've been yeah. like, hey, everybody, welcome to the thing. And it's all groovy I'm and I'm doing out. my radio voice and everything's fine. And then to be like, yeah, we're going to wait 11 months to go live again. <laughs> we're not doing it for 11 months. <laughs> Fuck this. <laughs> I had such a nightmare. And ah. you, know when, you know when the Zoom and the internet and the laptop and the hard drive they all go against you yeah uh, yeah we had one of those today so apologies i uh, i'm sure you're all kind of used to it yourselves at this stage you don't have to melt your own brains we all know how set up you can be and how with these beautiful mics and with cameras and all the things and still the pixies can get in and play, play havoc so like fuck's sake um, apologies for that guys but we are uh talking about Parthalon today and it's it's a um, you know what? I always think of uh, the the girls over Mosny who took on one of the stories, uh, one of the series of stories, and they really love this one. We worked them for St. Patrick's Day Festival in 20... Uh, was it 19 or 18? Sort of in 2019, remember. I think. Yeah, I think 2019. 2019. And uh, we, yeah, we had these um, girls from... Uh, the direct provision center in Mosny and they were they were taking characters from Irish myths and we walked them through a couple of workshops and exercises to find the characters that they wanted to go into 
and uh, one of the, the uh, biggest uh, bones of contention was this wife of Parthalon. And they had great discussions. They dissected it. They looked at the character. They loved this so much because it's the first murders, the first trial in Ireland's shore. Mm. And it's, you know, one of the one of the first of a lot of things in this story that happens in Ireland because it's only the second tribe of people to ever come to here. So anyway, Sorka, you told this story beautifully um, with help from Rory O'Shea on music to accompany and build up the atmosphere behind it. Um, you made some choices at the start, I noticed, which I loved. You kind of set them out to, to uh, like definitely fail from the start. Yeah. We kind of know it's going to be fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Because I think that's kind of that's one of the things in the book of invasions that can be a little bit challenging, uh, especially if you're coming to it new, if it's the first time you're kind of listening to this set of stories or the first time you've been exposed to this set of stories is that there are several failures before anything kind of catches and takes hold. And like I, I kind of I remember the first time I read it, I read it as a kid, I read a retelling by a an author named Michael Scott, who did a lot of rewritings of, of Irish myth and folktale, some of which is really kind of cool stuff, a lot of which is kind of aimed at teenagers. Um, but he had he had a book of invasions one, and I found it really a really frustrating read um, because it just everything felt really kind of futile. But you mentioned there the the idea of firsts, and I think that's what's kind of important in the book of invasions because it's not about the people it's about the things that they bring to the land and it's almost like there's a memory that is in the land because you know there's all these we were talking about it uh actually i think we were talking about it in a post show chat that is going oh to don't 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 no i know I, yeah don't do it don't oh, do it God. i i nearly I nearly went down that rabbit hole yeah. there. Like, I was like, wait, you mentioned, wait, this. You mentioned so, this before. We were talking about this yes next oh, week. Don't. No, 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 don't. Don't even um, try and upset the people's minds to tell them what that thought is about. I'm um, pretty sure it's just our minds that get upset by this stuff. Oh, I think look, other people seem remarkably trying, okay with it. Trying to record this in sequence and then we're not always able to because of the live streams. Then we couldn't do the live stream. So now, oh, look, we just mess with our own minds in this one which is kind of what Parthland does segue uh, with his whole messing with now okay there's a word it's not infant, infanticide because that's when you kill kids your own kids what's the parent killing one? Oh, patricide patricide and, yeah. and fratricide is when you kill your brother fratricide what is it when you side your sister I think that's still fratricide or it's it might be saracide sor- I don't know saracide yeah, because like fraternity poison. and sorority, uh, it, they're they're coming from <laughs> Latin words for pa, pater, uh, father, uh, frater, uh, frater is brother. Anyway, can't remember. It's a long time since and I did Latin. Pretty, pretty good. But I yeah, Latin they're as well, they're yeah. Latinate words. So patra, patrum, means... patrolum, patria. I can't remember them. Don't uh, decline Latin <laughs> You're doing it. Uh, I, it's been a long time since I did wrong. Latin, but it's not been that long. That was wrong. That was very, that was very, very wrong. wrong. It was so wrong. You were just saying, like, you were just saying things. Um, I was, that's what I mostly do mm. with words. I try, hopefully they sometimes make sense. Um, <laughs> God damn it. Uh, okay, she's one of those birds <laughs> correcting everything every second now. So, no, okay, 
let's oh, have a little let's have a little thing about this. So Pat uh, Parthlon, he kills his father, yeah. and this is like all of a sudden you're like, this is something like a Shakespearean drama. Oh God, it's all going to come out. It's all going to build up. It's all, and he has. And again, I love, I love this again. It's totally like you get a little bit of a sliver of information and you might miss it, you know, as you're listening to it, because it's a sentence or it's a line. But he kills his father or his parents in in mm-hmm. some uh, telling. So he might have killed the, the pair of them, which is definitely bad. And then him, he becomes a king and then decides to shag off and leave with other people to find an island um, out there. He runs away from this curse that he's been put on because mm-hmm. he's killed his parents. So, but I think it's not—it's not even idea of like, you know, it's not so much that a curse is put on him because nobody puts a curse on him. It's more the fact that he did something so terrible, and you kind of see this in like, you see this in Greek myth a lot. Like the Furies are invoked. Nobody has to point the Furies at you and say, "Go get him." Like they're just you do something so terrible that like you are cursed, just curse. You are cursed. Nobody curses you. So like there's he puts the you curse on cursed. himself. You cursed. You're damn cursed. Yeah, um, so he's damned. He's done something so terrible that he is he is he's fucked. Nothing he I does mean, is ever going to come to any good. Is it one of those things that like he really should have known that that was going to happen if he killed his parents? I think so. Feel or is like it just maybe... like, all right, I'll definitely be king. I'll just get rid of those guys. Oh, crap. I'm not supposed to do that. Oh, no, I'm cursed. Oh, why? I, damn it. I didn't read the spine print. I feel like <laughs> most of us know that it's probably a little bit extreme. You yeah. know, even as a political move to kill your father or to kill your parents in order to inherit or the throne is like. Or anyone, really. Like, it's definitely a well, big move. Hmm. I don't know. There have been bad kings. <laughs> I'd kill a king these days, depending on the king. Depending on Co- the leader. I mean, couple king. world leaders. Yeah. I'm just saying there have been a couple of world leaders where I've looked at them and I've thought, I think I could do better. And if I had the chance and if it still worked that way, I'm not saying I would. Right. But you'd be behind it. I'm not saying I way. wouldn't. No, I'm just not saying I wouldn't. Right. Okay. That's a very, very thin line you're kind of skating on. Uh-huh. Yeah. And not not choosing a side there, just like dipping just a toe. Saying. Just I'm just saying. saying. Ever, I'm just saying. Ever. If I just close my eyes and suddenly a few yeah. more leaders were killed, I wouldn't be if, upset. If you just happen to drink the tea that I happen to leave out on the table, <laughs> and it happens to be hemlock, and you didn't check, like right. who's so to kinda, say? So that, who's that's kinda, to say whose fault? See, is like what? I think, like I think, Bartolan, you, you know, I, I reckon he might have been in. in like, I'm just gonna, you know, leave this uh, awful tasting poison beside my parents' bed. If they drink it, it's their fault, really. And then turns out, you know, he didn't really get away from the furies. The furies knew well. Everyone knew it was all ah crappy. Okay, he, yeah. there wasn't really a loophole there, and Maybe. so he has to run away from now i'm always envisaging like is there the druids casting the curse in him or is it just a natural kind of curse that he just he now knows he's yeah. doomed there's never any mention of anyone putting a curse on him and like it is it is one of those stories like you're talking a lot about his kind of or we're talking a lot about his backstory here but that is not given in the myth mm. like why he did it the events know, leading yeah. up to him doing it uh, what led him to do this? How he did it? Nothing. Just yeah. 
the starting point of this story is here is a man who is a giant who has six sons all married he has a massive tribe of followers he has a wife and the inciting incident for the story is he killed his parents and now he's cursed and the only thing that's ever yeah. given is is like maybe he killed them in order to become king maybe they were terrible tyrants and he was trying to free people you like that's not explained yeah at i know all, and of course at all and th- and that's why these stories need this level of discussion to interrogate them because you can't really you choose then how to tell and how to paint and how to kind of you and you specifically kind of chose to have Parthlan as quite a quite a bleak character quite a mm. big ferocious guy who doesn't have any kind of uh, doesn't have green fingers but nothing of his comes to fruition no, nothing of his comes to um to, to blossom and so there's kind of i guess a personality thing that that alludes to but only alludes to but it's nice then to actually build up on the fragments of the bits of the story that we know and then personify them into this character of this brooding giant who is kind of almost gormless and everything he does he doesn't really work out nothing he does really works out and he stumbles through things and he he gets enraged uh, yeah and that was what i was going to say as well is and yet he has the only thing that we do know about him is that he has this explosive rage Hmm. because we know that from the story of delgnet uh that he flies off the handle and kills a guy and also kills her dog in some versions of it Please. And is like Please. it is when he is turning around to kill her that she goes, Mm-mm, "We're having a trial about this." Right. Um, like right. she's so kind of for those who didn't watch or listen to last week's uh, podcast, or if you need a reminder, which I always do, is the wife of Bartholomew. Now I I love this. Let's just go back a step in in the story. So we have like uh, we have the guys coming. We have the whole Bartholonians. They set up camp, mm-hmm. and they and like they they bring the first customs of Ireland. And I love the that idea that he hopes that you know the these will be something in the in the culture and they'll it'll be born in the land and i love i love that the second tribe ever of our to come to ireland in our mythology is supposed to have brought brewing uh, smith and hostels or or, or yeah, uh, brewing and hostels uh, and oxen isn't it because bridget is the smith goddess which oh, i say smith in the stories i uh definitely red smith before mm-hmm. or certainly had uh, i thought it was i thought it was a smith and a definitely a, a hostel definitely a yeah. brewery those two for sure and then and i've red smith but maybe it's i yeah i'd i'd put in oxen i think because he brings the mm. first he brings the first cattle essentially mm. who, who of course Kisser brought the first sheep apparently yeah Right, and as we know, like <laughs> cattle become so important in Irish mythology and just become such a kind of a huge, huge thing that like the fact that he brought them there. Mm. Um, well, even in Ireland, it becomes it's so like the cows were so sacred to people to, for survival and to have them kind of instigated there. The first, they were here before all the tribes that you're talking about came. They were here way longer. You know, like, yeah. the cattle survived the plagues. Well, it's like the people died out of them. Again, the kind of stuff about, you know, the land remembering and the, and the, the land being more important than the people. Mm. The domesticated animals are also kind of take precedent over the people because they were there first. Like the sheep were there from, from Kessar and the, the oxen were there from Partholon. So like there's a kind of a, again, there's that idea of like kind of 
a little bit of the kind of primacy of the animal world and the natural world over the human world, which I really like. Um, totally. But yeah, I think it's kind of it's beginning. It's it's setting the stage for these things that become and remain incredibly important. And like we'll see it in a couple of weeks when we get and to so the we're still drinking. <laughs> Well, you know, we'll see hmm. in a couple of weeks when we get to but the we're still the like, you know, it, it's. Yeah. Uh, the importance of hospitality. And like hosting somebody. Just to, to finish that off. We are still drinking. Alcohol was in Western Europe the way that you purified water. Um, Because that's kind of. There are boiling cultures and there are brewing cultures. So like a lot of East Asia where tea came from and where tea originates from and also kind of Latin America and North America indigenous groups there. One of the reasons that they had very low tolerance to alcohol when they met the colonizers is because they're boiling culture. Whereas Europeans brewed and that was how alcohol, um, the, 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 the booze is actually antibacterial. It kills, it purifies water. Plus, so people used to. I'm not laughing. I'm just beer. purifying myself. Well, they didn't. I'm just purifying. They actually. I didn't. mean, fairness. Like the in in ancient Greece, it was really really bad form to be drunk. Like it was something that barbarians do, but you diluted beer with water oh. in order to clean the water. So like brewing is. And like it was, a, it was a thing that, that 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 was done in monasteries. Like it was a, it was yeah. a, a really the monks important took thing. care of it, like, and, and did it properly and did it well and did it all when, that kind of. When we get onto the kind of Bridget story, she's you know she's very associated with brewing as well, being a nun, um, and you know also being in uh, associated with the monasteries. So yeah, like these are really really like key important things, but they're also key and important for survival. So there's like a set of values and there's a survival thing that comes from the brewing and the hospitality and the oxen and like, you know, giving people shelter, taking people in, being yeah, really, that's the, really important. That's the really interesting one as well, kind of like the setting up the first hostel. So like, it's not that they set up just towns because obviously there's towns, there's farmlands, there's for whatever form of kind of um, lodging they have, but it's, yeah, it's a hostel, settlements. But like having a hostel where people can roam around, can travel, can can intermingle, can go between places and be welcomed mm -hmm. and be able to go to a place and stay there, kind of, you know, link up, be well fed, be have the hearth, have the fire, have the food, the communication yeah. and the stories, the music. And that's where the culture comes from. That's where like everything around the hearth or everything around the fire. That's where the kind of the that's you have to have that first, you know, before yeah. you can have you have to have the gathering place before you can have the thing that people gather for. And mm. like if you think about things like Dad Durga's hostel, like stories, you know, stories of hostels that come up in other cycles, there is no mention of how much it costs to stay. It's just a question of like travelers can come and the hosteler provides for them. And that's yeah. kind of like if presumably people would pay what they could. But like it's just a kind of an idea of if you walk up to this place and it's getting dark, you can come in and have a meal and you'll be you'll be fed and you'll be given a place to sleep and you'll be set up, set off in the morning, you know, and it just yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. it's a it's a kind of an interesting an interesting concept because like obviously we still have hostels today but they they kind of the meaning has shifted a little bit 
like they're more like, you know, backpacker hostels is, or, or, you know, there's also hostels for housing of, of homeless people uh, where people can sleep in a place that is a little bit safer than the street in theory. Um, so, yeah, but this. I do like the idea of it not being a very, like, it's not exactly a business they set up very well. It's like, you know, it's yeah. a hostel. It's not a business. You're supposed to be good at hospitality. You're supposed to welcome people in. You're not supposed to profit off it, though. Or are you? Or it's not well, mentioned. It's just like. We're, we're way pre-capitalism here. Like, these, these guys didn't have currency. So, right. like. You know, we're 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 miles away, or we're we're hundreds of years ahead of of a system that was like you have to make a profit out of things. You got to turn a profit in order for something to be worth doing. Like, and these That's fulfilled a really important social and cultural function. Um, mm. And it was like a lot of the like the hostelers. I'm thinking of the hostler and the the Ulster cycle. Blay the hostler, like he's he's got like a position. Uh, he's he's one of the characters in King Crahor's kind of council uh, in the Ulster cycle is this guy who's a hosteler. So obviously it's a really important job and fulfills a really important function. Um, so yeah, the whole yeah, hostel idea is definitely. interesting. Definitely. Um, and th this idea of, you know, again, it's the first, it's the first, it's the first. And so you, I really love how you kind of built this tension up when you have that little, we're waiting for something to go wrong here, you know, and uh, we're, we're waiting, we can see it building up inside in Parthland and he's getting unsettled and he's not happy and, and there's something inside him and, you know, you have him going off to kill something and you're like, oh God, that guy's a psycho. Oh, he's so, he's so crazy. This guy is going to do some bad shit soon. And you know it's coming. You know something bad is coming because you set it up at the start. You know it's not going to end well. And, you know, he leaves and goes hunting just to kill something. You're like, yeah, God, that guy's not doing great, is he? he? He's run away from all his problems, but he's found himself in this island and he still has his own. Which and I so, think is kind oh, of... He goes off to go hunting. I, I kind of think that's sort of characteristic of anybody who's tried to move to a new place to get away from their problems will know that feeling of like, oh, oh, they came with me because actually it was me. <laughs> I, okay. I was the one who made them. Um, like a lot of the time, that's kind of the experience of being like, oh, shit. All of my Literally. problems followed after me because all of my problems are self-created or a lot of my problems are self-created. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it might give me the space and time to actually work that out. But like, it's a, it's an interesting thing. You know, oh, it's, you're it's you're always there waiting for yourself. Universe. It's that one of the, one of those things of like, I think it's everybody's in, in their twenties has this idea of running off and being free and, you know, somewhere around, you know, mid or mid twenties, you realize, okay, no, no matter where I go, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm there too. Oh, God mm -hmm. damn it. Um, and I'm, I'm saying this as if me. I'm a very wise old and uh, I'm not <laughs> I don't know man you know, remember when uh, you went to Guatemala and lost everything that you owned <laughs> <laughs> repeatedly for like a month oh yeah <laughs> I do I do it's a fond memory of my brother who loves to tell that story and um, yeah he started to tie it into his uh, open mic night uh, comedy routine now wow. he has this opener about me visiting and losing my everything anyway um Glad that stories of Aaron have been told around. It the was globe. pretty funny from several oh, hundred miles away. 
<laughs> it really was. Yeah. It really it was, was so annoying. Um, <laughs> yeah, but like I said, with time and distance, or just distance, it was pretty funny. Yeah, um, well, I realized I had to come back and sort my own shit out, basically, because <laughs> uh, no matter where I went, my shit was in my head, uh, and <laughs> and not in your pocket. Not in my pocket. Most annoying. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Fun. So anyway, um, less about my less about your stuff. shit, more about Parthalon's shit. I mean, yeah, you didn't. Yeah. You've. I don't think you've ever gone a murdering. No, you I've to be been driven to murderous rage, but that's that's a different that's thing. That's a different thing. Different thing. That's why also, it's important for us to know the female equivalent of fratricide. <laughs> you know, yeah. just in case. Mm. <laughs> just. Good to just, know. Good to just know. things that cross your mind sometimes when all of the tech is going wrong. Mm. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like You're like, today. ah, there's another person there. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of killing people, um, yeah. no, not killing people. Speaking of uh, yeah. uh, a, a little segue mid episode, uh, you see, we're um, starting a storytelling course on Tuesday this week so I am really looking forward to the course of the group that we have lined up on Tuesday and if you listen to this in time before the 27th of April get in touch if you're interested there are actually miraculously a couple of spots still available uh, we sold out our last two courses and they went down an unbelievable treat and um, people have been loving the theory that we've given they've loved the, the practice and the practical approach and the chance to learn a lot about Irish myths and tell practice communicate with others in the group and tell loads of stories so we're really looking forward to telling our our doing our uh third course and we'll be releasing a saturday course coming very soon as well because we've got a whole list of people over in the americas who want to take part uh in an afternoon or in a time that would suit them not mm-hmm. 3 a.m because even though there was one guy who was like i'm really tempted to do this course it means getting up 3 a.m though but i love what you guys do so thank you ian <laughs> mentor if you are listening to this um <laughs> you won't have to do that the dates will be up on our website pretty soon so thank you for those who have uh, shared and helped us out as well massive shout out to our previous two courses of participants who <laughs> joined the zoom call during a week in order to help me to a uh, help us do a little promo and uh they they took about five minutes and just banged out a off-the-cuff improvised story about the course and they absolutely nailed it um it was really fun to do so uh, check out our instagram or facebook if you want more details on that or the promos or look up details online on our candletales.ie to see the full details of that course new course announced in May, not March. M words confuse me, okay? In May, can't tell it. Uh, <laughs> I just, you know what? I won't call it dyslexia. I'll just call it mumptiness. Um, I'm full of mumpties. Call it next month. It's next, still next month. month. Yeah, okay. <laughs> month. Next. That's simple. my usual workaround is like, ah, I'll do that next month. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which only really. Um, so that was. Yeah, it's only really bad if it's like just, the 30th. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was just a, a slight segue into the Aki storytelling because, uh, well, Delgnit, uh, the wife of Parthalan, she, well, she was chosen from one of the one of our students, one of our participants, one of our first of all uh, people that we kind of taught these myths to, which was um, an amazing chance to work with this land, and it was 
the story of women and people who came to the land performed by three amazing uh, women in Mosny and they chose Delgnet as one of the characters because they loved this discussion. They And they kind of sided with Bartholon a little bit, really interesting. They're like, what? That's not cool. Because this whole discussion is kind of, it's, you can take your side. Who who wrongs who here, you know? And I, I'd love to hear from you guys as they hear, are you on Bartholon's side? This guy goes off in a rage. You know, he finds out his wife has cheated on him and kills the the serving boy. And then the wife turns around and says, whoa, whoa, you wronged me. We have to have a a court or we have to have a, a judgment. Mm. Well, and her her judgment was also that his killing of the servant was unjustified. Yeah, that's essentially what she was arguing. Um, Or that's that was her kind of grounds for taking him to trial was like, you don't get to haul off and kill a guy because he slept with me. Like, that's not okay. Um, which I think is eminently fair. <laughs> yeah. When you think about it, like, you it's definitely... You don't get to murder a dude that slept with your wife. That's not a thing you you're allowed don't, to do. Yeah. But it's um, interesting in this time, in this kind of mythic era, to, like, you, you'd expect, if you're watching Game of Thrones type stuff, you know, like, yeah, yeah, the, the law, the land, the sword is greater than the water. You know, you're looking like, okay, they're going to kill each other. They're not really going to have too many, too many repercussions. Whereas in this story, we're looking at somebody who's progressive enough in their thought to go, no, murder is way away the, the thing that I did. And also she doesn't really consider herself as having done anything wrong. She mm-hmm. basically says, if you leave milk out, a cat's going to drink it. Yeah. If you, if you leave me with a hot guy, I'm going to bang him. <laughs> and that's like a thousand percent on you, my dude. You went hunting. And hmm. I was here. I was here and I was horny and you left. So and I also... did what I was going to do. And like, <laughs> yeah, like the thing about the thing about law and the thing about like Game of Thrones style, like privilege law, which is literally what the word privilege means, by the way, it's private law. It, it means one law for the for them and one law for for the rest of us. Like that's makes sense. different different laws applying to different groups of people. Um, so there was certainly a time in Europe where if a man like if a if a king killed a servant, nothing would be said. But this is not that time. This is before that time, and this is before Breton law, and this is before any of the kind of codes of law. It's actually said in the in the Fair Volga episode, which will be out uh, on during the week that it's one of the Firbolg kings who sets up or sorry Firbolg will be next week uh, it's one of the Firbolg kings who sets up like the first legal system in Ireland mm. uh, and then as we've discussed before it's Cormac McGart who codifies the Brehan laws which was the system that was in place until colonialism uh, took it over and kind of grad it it's it's never been repealed in Ireland so sure. cases have still been won on it and, and I think we've talked about this a little bit before in other in other episodes but yeah like there isn't a code there isn't a legal code here so what she does is she demands that they bring everybody in and says like you're not you've you, like there's wrong on both sides here and we need to bring everybody else in and then they get to decide kind of more democratically which one mm. of us actually wronged the other yeah and it's not like it's even though Parthalon is their king and their leader, he's not the one who gets to sit in judgment over this case, which is like, like you said, that's really interesting because you would kind of expect that he's like, no, I'm the king. I make the rules. 
And I say I get to kill a guy if he sleeps with my wife and also yeah, kill yeah. her dog and also kill her if I feel like it. But they, here's the thing, you know, it's that's that's not the contract that Parcelon is operating under. And we don't know exactly what contract he is operating under. Right. And maybe it's because the last time he went a murder and he caused a curse to happen to him. Maybe that is something that kind of restrains him and pulls him back from killing his wife. We don't really know. That's kind of open to interpretation, but whatever way it is. Yeah. The, um, the first trial uh, kind of puts, yeah, they kind of side with her. And say, well, Look. It, it, it's, it's hilarious to think of it again, as you say, there's no system in place here. There's no laws. There's no, you know, court exactly. They just they go, okay, look, we, we, there has to be a judgment. Bring everybody in and, you know, make let's make our cases. And she has like an amazingly long speech where like she, it's re- ridiculous when she, the number of comparisons you pick and pattern of what one and one is with, there's just, there's loads of things she, she offers up and you're like, what? Milk with honey? Like you, you mentioned a few, but there's a rake more. There's loads um, more. And we'll put up a link in the uh, in the thing. With, with, they're all with more. they're all kind of along the same lines of like if you put you know if you put honey with a child or you know milk with a cat or meat with a boy or like whatever it is if you put <laughs> meat something with boy <laughs> yeah that's the weird one <laughs> I remember you as a teenager fucking accurate um, fair food fair. food there was food here a minute ago and now there is bits of bits of crumb and Aaron is missing <laughs> mm. <laughs> Aaron with the big so. like bulging chip bunk cheeks um, <laughs> like it's it's uh, her her case is basically like if if people are faced with temptation you can't expect them to resist it yeah and like if people are faced with overwhelming temptation they it is you you can't expect them to resist it, which is a weird argument in favor. Very of, weird argument. Um, her because it kind of says like you should lock your wife away if you don't want her to uh, sleep with somebody is is kind of the you know could easily be the takeaway of that. Well, now I don't think that's a well, Jesus. Well, it kind of is because she's like if you. I, I would me... say that like. The... Unsatiated, like I think the whole. I think what from what I read into that is like, you got to be with me and satiate me. You got to offer me as much as I want because if you don't, I'll go get it from somewhere else. Or if you leave me, and again, it doesn't explain how long he's been gone, but he's gone, and like there's no roads, there's no cars. He's off the other side of Ireland. He could be gone for months, right? So you're expecting the wife to stay loyal or not have a lover in that time? It's completely un 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 un, um, realistic. And you know, there again, there's. You know, it's really interesting to look at this as one of the second ever stories because you have this whole link up in later stories where you, where you have a number of wives or a number of lovers. Queen Maeve of the Ulster Cycler out in Connacht has so many lovers and one of her things is not to have any jealousy with her consort. And so you have this kind of firmly acknowledged thing that a second wife or a, a, a number of lovers can be taken as long as it's in agreement first. We have to put it down as like this is okay. Thumbs up the you know that story of Medir Natane. Oh, yeah. He just rocks up with uh, another lover, and his wife's like, "What? 
But oh, oh what? And his Not wife okay. is actually okay with it until Atain hmm. tries to sit in her chair. And that is actually the moment where all hell breaks loose, which I always thought was a really interesting thing about that because she's kind of like, hmm, not sure about this. And then Etain comes in and sits at the high seat and she goes, no, fuck all of that. And turns into a puddle, <laughs> um, as you do. So like, yeah, like the, there's definitely like, you know, polyamorous ancient Irish people was, was like 100% a thing. And I think that kind of your point actually of like, it is the man's, it is the husband's duty to keep his wife satisfied is something that does come up again and again in Irish myth. And actually, if we're talking about later codes, that was grounds, that was an acceptable grounds for divorce. Um, Irish yeah. women could divorce their husbands in medieval Ireland for failing to keep them sexually satisfied. And it was kind of, I don't know if we've talked about this in this podcast before, but it was a... It was a long acknowledged thing in the ancient world and you see it in Greek plays and you see it in a lot of like classical cultural works that like women were the more um, sexual gender or women were expected to have a bigger sexual appetite than men. And that was the case for like most of human history. It was only around the 1800s with kind of temperance movements and Christianity that that started to shift. And like the funny thing, like talking my housemates, talking my, you know, uh, in my adult life, I've constantly been, and even talking to my brother, who's seven years older than me, and I remember being in college and I'm going, hang on, like, like I, I can, you know, not to get too graphic or anything, but like I can go one or twice, you know, I can go a few times, a few rounds in a ring, but like, Tell you, they're just built differently. They're just <laughs> capable of just keeping going forever. You know, like, and so they're there. And, and so socially, we're not like, we're, there's a little bit like of, of oh no, uh, men are the sexual ones and, and women are not. And men want sex and women need to, to you know, or, or prefer to wait until they're married bullshit. And so there's, there's this undertone uh, kind of socially. And, and then you actually have the, like the, Biologically speaking, like women are, are way more sexual than men. They, mm-hmm. They're like they're at definitely as, um, uh, you know, horny as men. I think that's like <laughs> one of the things that people don't like to admit. It's, it's like, oh no, men's testosterone is way higher. I think yeah, every, leads into everyone loves activities. to blame testosterone for everything um, because it's like, well, man can't possibly control themselves around a mini skirt because testosterone. Um, but like it's more like I think, you know, women are it's it's more of a cultural thing for women because, you know, men get congratulated on having a lot of sexual partners. Women get condemned for exactly the same behavior. And like, you know, there's that kind of that whole double standard of like, mm. you know, um, it's and also a safety question. I think a lot of women avoid very casual sex because, you know, men are bigger and stronger and you don't know if you get like a good one until, <laughs> until you know, is this one safe it. to be alone i have to be alone with it to find out if it's safe to be alone with it i shouldn't say it but you know what i mean like <laughs> is, is this it. one of the safe ones i can't tell it's hard to tell because yeah, yeah. some of them are good at hiding so like it's it's um mm. there's but the, this is this is one of the interesting things about looking at older myths as well is that like when you get a, a character like delgnet saying oh well you should have <laughs> you should have ridden me before you left hunting. 
I'm not gone for so long. What the right. fuck, dude? And you know, what? we've been married for years. We have six sons together. They're all married. You should know by now. Like, <laughs> yeah. these are my requirements. You You're not know. meeting my requirements. I'm going to get my needs met somewhere else. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah, yeah. that's just kind of hilarious. And she just, but yeah, she, she wins the, she wins the case. Um, it's not really said I don't think what he has to do, he has to make some kind of reparations. I'm basing this on a Tommy Tiernan live show that I saw once, but I think men's libido goes down the older they get and women's goes up. I'm just saying, Tommy that's a, said it. That's a thing. Um, I think like, it's a thing. That's a thing in research that men's libido is meant to peak in their teens and women's libido is meant to peak in their 30s. 30s yeah so <laughs> like, I don't know like you have this like stir crazy wild young ferocious Parthenon <laughs> riding around killing loads his wife making babies great gets a curse ah shit goes to Ireland spends a few years setting up gets pretty kind of tired kind of like harbors some psychological issues that are laying dormant within psyche and goes off into the wilderness for X amount of time in his maybe 40s or something when he's just kind of forgotten about sex and really needing it while his wife is like I need something inside me you serving boy come here uh, and then that happens and then Martin comes back and goes ooh an excuse for murder murder time and uh, kills him here I and go I killing again <laughs> that's a summary of Parthalon that, that's, no. a, that's an interesting summary of Parthalon But it doesn't end on a bad note it, it, yeah, They're all wiped up by plague Yeah Well oh, this, no, see, this is the That's a bad <laughs> <Sorry>. note <laughs> doesn't, it, right. doesn't all end terribly Just everybody dies everybody uh, But dies. we can compare today to then Look we have a plague um, That's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> ours is ours. We've is already not. shit plague. It's not. It's killing fucking nobody, and we're all abstaining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've got and a really such a shit plague. Really boring plague where <laughs> a lot of people don't even believe that it's real, and a lot of people are like, "No, it's one hundred percent real because my, someone I know died," and it's taking a really long time to get vaccinated. <sighs> Fun, anyway. fun topic of this conversation. Sorry, because, you know what? We're not allowed to talk about that shit in this kind of in these podcasts. We won't be doing that again. My apologies. My apologies. You say that yeah. every time we mention it. We don't mention it a lot. It's just sometimes we're talking <laughs> about a plague, and we're like, "Oh yeah, one of those." I wonder what that's like. It is. It is kind of. It was, it was crossing my mind when I was when I was listening to your story of like, kind of the the number of times you know people would have had to deal with plagues and with illnesses throughout like whatever mythology it comes up again and again and again it's clearly a thing that's been in history for well you know as long as history has been going but it, it's a thing that people have always had to deal with and it's just it's so like in we have one memory of this happening in kind of our lifetime because we've been alive for this one you know so, but our memories are so kind of short and we take it so it's impossible for us to expand beyond the limits of our own lifetime and the years that we've lived to really perceive anything happening prior to this. Like we can understand it having happened, but like to have a, have a personal effect on us, we have to experience a lockdown or a, or a severe thing for the first time to actually take it seriously and, and like make, make a kind of a cognitive link between cause and effect. It was we don't really a have different... that. I mean, it was totally different time in Parthenon's day because plagues were so kind of common. 
like a plague, a little bit like saying somebody died of a fever. There are so many things that could cause mm. it. They didn't have a knowledge of disease. They didn't have a knowledge of how it was transmitted. They didn't have a knowledge of how to stop it. Um, so, you know, plagues were just like, again, they were just kind of natural disasters that happened until they burned themselves out. And this was a an incredibly severe one because it 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 the population burned out before it did. Um, and Ireland is always said to be this beautiful, like um, kind of oasis. It's this green island uh, in the mythology, you know, like it's it's um, a tourism Ireland like to run on this one as well. But like it's this fertile green. Uh, everything can kind of be grown here because it has a uh, it has the Gulf stream coming up and warming up the waters around it and it has a, a kind of a much warmer climate than it should do when it's considering its location but you can kind of grow most things here right and so when people came here they must have been like especially coming from like a barren spain or a europe that gets such severe heat we didn't you don't have se- severe climate here and and yet you can survive away and all of a sudden the, the, I don't know the dampness. Did the dampness just like fester up with the long winter months? Those times, if one crop fails, if a blight gets in, if anything goes wrong, it can be all mosey for you know, cozy for a while. But suddenly, you hit hit October without the food supplies or a bit of sickness in the population, and suddenly getting to you know April, May this time of year, it'd be super hard for a population mm. to survive that big long those six months that stretch is just it's usually famine precedes plague usually there's a there's a food shortage and then there's a there's a disease outbreak like in in those kinds of situations because you're right i mean these are these are much more marginal survival situations where people are they don't have the kind of backup that we have they don't have the kind of technology they don't have the ability to like import a lot of grain if they don't if their harvest fails so yeah they're they're in a much more difficult uh survival situation and yes they all also died out except maybe for one that's the, the that is the last guy this so Kessler that ends with Vincent McBokra the shapeshifter who I've I've you know read and researched and loved and was trying to write a play about once and uh, we were going to do it last year but then we weren't doing you know, the theater anymore uh, and so that's that's still in the pipeline but so I've, I've, I love this idea of, of a guy like Fintan living through and seeing Ireland and the land change and observing all the peoples and changing as a result. And I think then finding this other character, is it, what's his name? Oh, I forget. It wasn't, no, Talk, Tork, Dan. I forget. It was something, it was, I thought it began with an N, but I don't know. Um, anyway, he's a safe... <laughs> basically the same story as Fintan um, and there are like as as you know there are people who who discount the Kessler story and don't count it as part of the book of invasions and kind of say that it is a different it is a Christian add-in to try and tie the book of invasions into the biblical story by having her as the grandest granddaughter of Noah sure and that the argument there is that this is the original sage character and they just copied it into into that story but I don't know I yeah, think it's kind okay. of I think it's kind of a fun idea like that that there were two shape-shifting sages in Ireland who just like never met. Because they I, were I, both so alone. You know, yeah. In the wilderness. But, I mean, like we'll have to we'll have to tell the, ho- the, the Hawk of Ackle uh and, and Fintan's story 
at the end of this as well because that's a great story to, to kind of finish out his life cycle because he because he sees so much he's so so old and and but i think there's something kind of there's a nugget about this whole adapting changing being able to shape shift we have this obsession with and all mythologies have it uh, they're all shaped you know the magic people are shape shape shifters in form you know Zeus and the lads up in Olympus they could change and become mm. lions and eagles and serpents and whatever and so we love this we we love this idea of uh, an ability to change it's something that's like something we you know straight away jump into as human beings oh we, we, I'd love to be able to change into a bird and so that you know obviously has lasted or or preempted our our kind of imaginations in, in our mythologies and yet there's also something about changing and adapting and you know being able to survive how do you survive the only way you can survive is to change and is to adapt depending on the circumstance because there's no way anyone can realistically stay hunkered down and you know themselves or or, or be very strict about codifying a way of being because the world is bigger than you the land is bigger than you the land is more powerful the sea will will knock you down no matter what so you you're the one who has to change and you have to adapt and you have to be able to be in harmony with the changing of the seasons and the cycles because if you don't you're fucked and that's kind of that's kind of my takeaway from the uh, the shapeshifters and the old sages is like they're the wisest because they know they need to adapt and mm. okay they get the chance change. to change into uh, other animals but uh you know yeah but i think that's <laughs> yeah. a nice that's a nice note to kind of leave it on um the mm. the shapeshifters and those who survive and those who are wise and uh next you know, to week adapt and yeah and as you said next week we will be uh starting our third storytelling course and get in touch if you can before the 27th and we'll also be hearing the story of nemed uh, will be up next and Nemed is the first or the Nemedians are the first group that are not completely destroyed <laughs> yay happy yay! ending kind mm. of mm. <laughs> mm. I don't know alright uh, we All right. will see Listen. you very soon thanks for listening guys Salon. <laughs>